People tell me that I smile a lot, and I think it's true, but how could I not smile when I am loved so deeply, as is evidenced by the front row today? Six people were willing to get on airplanes, three of whom I didn't know were coming to surprise me. And, and, and my aunt is here also, and she is uh, so fond of us that she not only visited Houston, but moved to Houston. <laughs> All right, so maybe it wasn't just for us. But nevertheless, she's here. And I thank you all and love you deeply. I wanted to start this morning by letting you know that if you see me standing here in the dais, there are three things that you can be certain of. One of those things is God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> Another one is our dear Reverend Troy is one heck of a fast talker. <laughs> when he asked me to lunch and said, how'd you feel about preaching? Preach? I don't preach. He goes, oh, no, 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 don't think of it as preaching. Think of it as storytelling. So after some discernment, I decided I could, I could tell some stories. By profession, I am a Lean Sigma consultant, which means that I help people figure out how to make their processes more efficient, how to do things more quickly. So the third thing that you can be certain of this morning is that I will not exceed my allotted time. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> so, in preparing for this, because it's something I haven't done before, I needed a strategy. And as I mentioned, I'm an IT professional. So, what we typically do is we gather data and we analyze it. And that's exactly what I did. So, what do you think the first thing I did when I began to prepare to be here for you this morning? I grabbed my iPad, opened up my Holy Bible app and read all of the different versions of Acts chapter 8, including, of course, the verses that we're focusing on today. And I still wasn't having my aha moment, so I did what I often do when I'm pondering things, and I talked with Elisa, because as I am so fond of telling her, her head is where I keep my good brain. <laughs> and well, I still didn't have that aha moment. So I reflected on the things that Reverend Troy had said to me about, don't think of it as preaching, think of it as storytelling. And I found my messages in stories. So with your permission, I'm going to borrow from the story of Philip meeting the Ethiopian eunuch, which comes to us from Acts 8. I'm going to share some stories from my life with you. And of course, I'm going to leverage our Pride Month theme and stories from the Wizard of Oz. Why, if our scarecrow back in Kansas could do that, the crows would be scared to pieces. They would? Mm. Where's Kansas? That's where I live. And I want to get back there so badly, I'm going all the way to Emerald City to get the Wizard of Oz to help me. You're going to see a wizard? Mm -hmm. Do you think if I went with you, this wizard would give me some brains? I couldn't say. But even if he didn't, you'd be no worse off than you are now. Yes, that's true. But maybe you better not. I've got a witch mad at me, and you might get into trouble. Witch? I'm not afraid of a witch. I'm not afraid of anything. Oh, good. Except a lighted match. 
I don't blame you for that. But I'd face a whole box full of them for the chance of getting some brains. Look, I won't be any trouble because I don't need to think. And I won't try to manage things because I can't think. Won't you take me with you? Why, of course I will. Hooray! We're off to see you with Oh, well, you're not starting out very well. Oh, I'll try. Really, I will. To us? To us. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is the wizard of the winds, if ever a wizard there was. If ever a wonder of wizard there was, the wizard of Oz is one because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. I have spent so much time thinking about that scarecrow that I truly feel he's a personal friend. So I have three essential messages I want to share with you this morning. The first one is that God puts us where God needs us. The second message is, very often, it's about the journey, not the destination. And finally, you are not who they say you are. So can I beg your indulgence for just a moment? I, it occurred to me that to make myself more comfortable, if I got more into the story and became part of it, it would be easier for me to share with you. So bear with me for a moment, please. Ah. There we go. At 9 o'clock, they said, we couldn't see him real good in the back, so I'm going to get up here make sure that everybody gets a peek. I'm in it now. Will you please pray with me and for me? Blessed Creator, we are so thankful to be here together this morning in fellowship with loved ones and friends. Father, Mother God, when you started me on my life's journey, you didn't send me the path of seminary, so I ask that you be with me and order my steps this morning, that the words that I share and the messages that I deliver will serve your good work. I ask these things in your name and in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Have you ever had the experience of being in the right place at the right time? Well, not necessarily the right time for you, but the right time for someone else. I want to share with you a story about something that happened to me. And this strange thing happened to me not once, but twice. Elisa and I were in Logan Airport, and we were getting ready to go down the down escalator, heading into baggage claim. And while I'm probably going to get in a little trouble for sharing this with you, but Lisa's a little skittish when it comes to escalators. And so there's a little dance that she does when she's thinking about, thinking about it. And then finally, she's on that thing. And I have learned to get on after her so that I'm always behind her, because otherwise I'm way down there and she's still doing the dance. 
well, she had done her dance and we were descending the uh, escalator and I noticed a woman coming up from the other side and she was dragging her rollerboard suitcase behind her. Well, apparently she didn't negotiate the steps as well as she might because I saw that her bag was starting to pull her backwards and the next thing I knew, she had actually toppled over on top of her bag and was, and was falling. Uh, down the stairs with her suitcase. And while my normally helpful, talented, thoughtful, considerate spouse froze, mouth open, eyes wide, <laughs> and for some reason, whatever, divine inspiration, without any pause or any hesitation, I made my way past Elisa, ran down the remaining steps on our side of the escalator, ran up caught the woman as she was falling, or as, you know, she had already fallen, but helped her to get uh, back onto her feet and helped to save her apparently very, very precious luggage. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not a hero, uh, and I would simply chalk it up to maybe just doing the right thing. But isn't there a possibility that I wasn't there by accident? That I was there because that's where I needed to be? that that's where my fellow traveler needed me to be and that that's where God wanted me to be. This child of God doesn't believe in coincidences. And did I mention to you that that happened to me twice? It happened again, almost exactly the same way, except I didn't have Elisa with me that time doing her dance at, at, at George Bush International Airport. So let's consider Philip. Was it a coincidence that he encountered the Ethiopian unit? After all, how perfectly aligned would the stars have to have been for that, to have, that chance encounter to have happened? You know, Philip had been in Jerusalem. He had been teaching and performing miracles and spreading the word when God sent an angel to him and said, Philip, get on the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, the scripture doesn't tell us why Philip was instructed to get on the road. Only that an angel had told him to do so. Philip didn't question. He didn't hesitate. He didn't do what you or I might have done and asked, what do you want me to do in Gaza? What's in Gaza? Who am I supposed to see when I get to Gaza? No. Philip just left the comfort of the city and headed out towards Gaza. And by the way, Gaza is, is a desert. So he knew he wasn't going to a picnic. Acts chapter 8, verse 27 tells us that it was on this road that Philip encountered a eunuch. This man, an Ethiopian, he was reading the scripture, and Philip happened by. And Philip asked him if he understood what he was reading, and the man admitted his confusion and asked Philip if he would help him to better understand the word. Okay, in my book, the simple fact that this man was comfortable asking for help makes him a special kind of guy, okay? Come on, fellas, you know what I'm talking about. Some, some of you can't ask for directions. Don't laugh, some of you women can't either. <laughs> so Philip journeyed with this man, and they talked and counseled, and he helped him to deepen his understanding of the word, and as his understanding of the word deepened, so did his commitment, his desire to grow his relationship with God. This desire was so compelling 
that as they approached, and the scripture says some water, sometimes it says a certain water, it never says beautiful lake, lovely pond, could have been a puddle for all we know. But this man was so compelled to commit and devote his life to God that he asked Peter, there's some water, can I get baptized right here, right now? And Philip said to him, if in your heart of hearts you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then yes, yes, you can be baptized right here, right now. And that is exactly what they did. So I talked a little bit about the eunuch, but did I mention that he was a black man? Hey, I'm just keeping it real. He was Ethiopian, okay? In fact, he was a servant of the Ethiopian queen, Candace. In our family, we have our own Nubian queen, Candace. <laughs> My suspicion is that it was his very status as a eunuch that enabled him to enjoy a close relationship with the queen. Because as a eunuch, he was considered to be safe. This man was able to serve the queen, and in fact, he enjoyed a position of status in her court. He was responsible for her treasures. Now, for some, the word eunuch conjures negative notions. In biblical times, men chose to or were forced to become eunuchs for a variety of reasons. But regardless of the reasons why or how a man becomes a eunuch, does that state of being define who the man is? Does it? Or does his thirst for knowledge, his desire to be baptized, his love of Jesus provide a better window into the soul of this, some would say, less than or damaged man? So, was it a coincidence that Philip happened on the Ethiopian eunuch? Or was he there because that's where Philip needed to be? That's where that traveler needed Philip to be. That's where God wanted Philip to be. Because remember, this child of God doesn't believe in coincidences. For some, the story of the Wizard of Oz is just that, a story. Maybe it is. But I think that all stories that are written by men and women tell the stories of the human condition. Sometimes the platforms we use to tell our stories feel very real to us. Sometimes they're more whimsical, fantasy-faced. I think the Oz tale says much more about people than it does about lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! <laughs> Journeying to Oz, Dorothy, like me at Logan, like Philip on the road to Gaza, she experienced an unexpected encounter. She runs into a scarecrow. Almost at once, we can't help but like this friendly guy. And this despite the fact that his own experiences have left him without a sense of self-worth. Dorothy, fearful of the witch, who's out to avenge her sister's death, 
She's grateful for the company of the scarecrow, who despite his lack of intelligence or perceived lack of intelligence, has no fear of witches, and he's happy to go along with her. And in fact, for Dorothy, he's something of a godsend, isn't he? So Dorothy got him off of his stick, and they started that journey. So let me see, resurrection, do I have your attention? What is it that this child of God doesn't believe in? Coincidence. That's right. Sometimes we are where we are because we want to be there. Sometimes God puts us where he needs us to be to serve her work. The journey can be far more important than the destination. For anyone that has ever spent more than an hour in a car with kids, you've got to be familiar with these four little words. Are we there yet? Kids ask that question because they are pinpoint focused on the destination. They want to get there. After an hour in a car, they have little or no interest in the journey. Truth be told, we adults aren't all that different. As we travel from one place to another, in most cases, we're really just focused on the final destination too. It occurs to me that the stories we're sharing today teach us that when God is at the wheel, we had better pay attention to our journey because God puts us where God wants us. And it may have nothing to do with the final destination that we are trying to reach. Lisa and I were heading to Boston. I didn't know God had a job for me to perform that Saturday morning. Dorothy was on her way to see a wizard. Who knew the real plan was for her to meet and rescue a companion and protect her? And Philip, responding to our creator's instruction without question, without reluctance, was going towards Gaza. But as it turns out, Gaza had little, if anything, to do with God's instruction. There is no question in my mind that the reason that Philip was on that road was to bring another soul to God. Greg Anderson wrote, focus on the journey not the destination. Joy is found not in finishing an act, but in doing it. Yes, God puts us where God wants us and where God needs us to do God's good work. Sometimes our journeys are far more important to the creator than the destinations that we have in mind. Are you who you are, or are you who they say you are? Or are you who God wants you to be? Can you imagine for just one minute what must have been going through the minds of the doctors and nurses that were in the maternity room when I was born? Certainly, they had all met my parents and recognized them as being African-American. My father, this handsome chocolate brown young man and his lovely wife, light in complexion, but definitely a woman of African descent. Can you imagine the shock and awe of seeing this pale, blonde, blue-eyed child fair enough to make Anderson Cooper look like a tanning salon model. (laughs) 
Well, this could be revisionist history, but I think they were so happy to have their firstborn that they didn't even notice for the first two weeks. <laughs> Later, my parents were to learn that my condition had a name, albinism. Now, this was back in the, well, let's just say it was back in the day, okay? And there wasn't a lot of good medical information available, not readily available anyway, but I'll tell you what there was. There were lots and lots of myths and folklore. My poor parents had to contend with all sorts of bad information. According to word on the street, I was going to, let's see, be blind, be not so intelligent, I'd be unable to participate in team sports, I likely would not be able to go to school with regular children. I wouldn't be able to drive, certainly. And I would not live past 40. Well, we're still going to see if we can test that one. Not. <laughs> and this is my personal favorite. I would be in possession of magical powers. You know there's a little truth in some folklore, right? <laughs> well, I thank God every day that I was born to a mother that didn't believe in can't and a father who knew better than to contradict her. <laughs> As a result, the only thing my albinism has ever prevented me from doing just getting lost in a crowd. <laughs> I am not who they said I was. I am a confident, competent, capable woman blessed with many skills and talents, and I am trying to be who God wants me to be. The Ethiopian eunuch was not less of a man because of the skin color or his physical characteristics. He was a trusted man, a scholar, a man of God. He was not what they said he was. He was on a mission to become the man God wanted him to be. Remember that scarecrow? Bacon, once over lightly, please. Knowledge <laughs> <laughs> is power. 
feet in the Cicero where he Cicero, says, more men are ennobled by study than by nature. Feet first. And look at here. Um, especially apropos of my situation, i.e. stuck upon this here pole. Do not accept any situation, question, argue, and explore. Now who you gonna believe? Mr. Nobody on that, that old Fellas, please. Or your good friends, the crow. Yeah, who have dedicated their lives to educating you. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, people will try to take you down, won't they? They will try to take you down. You can't. You're just. You're stupid. He came off of that stick, that pole, in search of a brain, believing that that's what he needed. You know he never did get that brain. You know how the story goes, right? Well, he never needed one. No. What he needed, he got on his journey, and that was a renewed sense of self. He reclaimed his pride. He got off that stick and freed himself of the burden of negativity. Amen. It was the journey, not the destination, that made that scarecrow whole again. As we celebrate pride throughout this month, I want to remind the members of this church family that there are many out there who have and who will try to define us. They will use words or even fists to beat the stuffing out of us. Remember when they did that to the scarecrow? However, you are not who they say you are. We define ourselves, and our journey is on the path where God has ordered our steps. Amen? Amen. A few weeks ago, Reverend Elder Ken Martin said something that really resonated with me. He said, where spirit is present, diversity is treasured. Well, I am here this morning to tell you, Resurrection, that without question, there is spirit in this place. So let's recap those three thoughts that I shared with you and that I want to leave you with today. Sometimes God puts us where God needs us, whether it's an escalator, the road to Gaza, or a fanciful yellow brick road. Two, are we there yet? What matters more? Is it what's at the end of the road or what's around the next turn? Remember, when God puts us on the road, it may be the journey that matters, not the destination. And finally, you are not who they say you are. While I may indeed have magical powers, <laughs> I am not who they said I was. The Ethiopian eunuch, damaged goods, or good man of God. Servant or scholar? You tell me. Did the scarecrow need a brain because others told him he was stupid or did he need the pride that comes with knowing that you are valued and loved? You decide. You remember what the scarecrow said when Dorothy helped him get off the stick he was hung up on? It feels good to be free. So get off the stick, resurrection. Be free. Let the journey that God has planned for you begin and do so with the knowledge that you are not who they say you are. Instead, be the person that God wants you to be. Thank you.